Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. Uh, I also just ended up posting on my own personal page as well. Um, so if you are interested in investing and you're a friend of mine, uh, today is a topic I want everybody to understand because it's a topic that I was so, so afraid of. But uh, as I got to know, now it's actually uh, turned into something great for me. So with that said, here's what it is. Section eight rentals, right? I'll tell you what, uh, as a real estate agent, I, you know, you're, you, you're not allowed to steer people towards our way or anything else from the whole section eight or voucher program. But just, I'll just tell you personally, I was like, not a big fan because I was like, dude, that like, I don't want to be a slumlord. I want to have like all the issues with the government. I don't want all the other things that came to mind. Um, when, when it came to section eight, well, then, um, some friends of mine built a, uh, section eight apartment building in DC and it ended up bringing in insane amount, like crazy amounts of rent. Right. And so they built it, stabilized it. Um, one of, uh, I wish that I was the real estate agent on that, uh, deal for them. Um, but, uh, another friend helped them find that and help them go through the process because I wanted nothing to do with it um, at the time because I just didn't think Section 8 was a good place to be. Well, what happened was uh, I had my eyes open because DC was paying um, basically fifty, almost $5,500 per unit um, there. So basically $22,000 a month was coming in. And here's the cool thing about Section 8 is it is guaranteed, right? Like the government, the government pays its debts. Even if the government has to print more money to pay its debts, the government pays its debts. So with that said, all of a sudden you see, okay, well, that's that's interesting. Now there are hoops and other things that you have to jump through when you are uh, working with section eight, but it is super, super cool um, in the fact that you usually have a long list of people so you can choose. Well, why don't we go through here? Here, Let's go through my, my point. So number one, don't be afraid of section eight. Um, it, it can be bad, but it can be good. But honestly, I've had that experience with regular tenants that are not section eight tenants as well, where it's been bad or it's been good. Um, you know, the, the reality is if, if you want to know whether somebody's going to be bad or good, the, the only really bad tenant that I've ever had was the one that I did not do enough homework ahead of time on or have the people that was that I had hired. I, I hired this guy that I'd done who'd done some background checks, done some other stuff, and um, they just didn't do do their due diligence. And um, yeah, so I've stopped working with him and I, you know, like he could have made things right, but he didn't. And so, you know, we've stopped working together and now, uh, I, 
I know the power of the background check. I know the power of the reference check. I know the power of home visits, which when you have somebody, if you want to know whether they're going to be a good tenant in the future, the best, best predictor of whether they're going to treat your place well is a home visit because you can see if they're treating the place well that they live currently, they're probably going to treat your place well. If they have holes in the wall, if they, you know, use the bathroom in the tub, which has happened, I wish that wasn't true, but if they do, um, whether you're section eight or not section eight, they're probably not people you want using your tub, right? And your rental property. So that's the whole thing where you want to get people that treat their current situation well. You want to get people that do, and most of the time, section eight, it's like, you know, 85% or 90% or even sometimes 50%. So there is a piece that they need to pay monthly, right? Um, you need to make sure that they're paying it, um, you know, in their current situation, even if it's, you know, a situation where they're not, um, yeah, even if it's a situation where they're not, uh you know, loving their current situation, um, whatever, or or you, they're not paying much of it, right? If it's a 90-10 and let's say it's a couple hundred bucks where you're still cash flow positive, you just don't want the headache, right? Headaches with bad tenants are like the worst. It's like a Charlie Brown rain cloud that just follows you around wherever you go. And you don't want that. You don't want the headache. So um, past behaviors will dictate future behavior, um, that is true. So if, and then that's why a credit score is important, right? Like, I don't want to, I'm not judging people with a bad credit score, right? I like, just please know that what I am judging is if somebody doesn't have a good credit score, what it tells you is paying their bills on time is not one of the core values of their life, right? You know, or, or maybe, Maybe they'd like to pay their bills on time, but they're just too far behind to be able to do it. And so they don't get paid, which is why the credit score goes down. Either one of two things, you know, either they have the ability to do it and they just forget, which is fine, but it's still a headache for you. Or, um, you know, it's just not, not happening. So you go back and say, okay, well, let's find out whether they've been paying their landlord on time. And if they pay their landlord, no history of lates, nothing else, then great. You're, you're in a great situation. If they haven't, you're in a terrible situation. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And you don't want to be that. So choosing the right tenant is super important. And if you're open to vouchers in Section 8, there should be a lot of people. And you're usually going to beat, uh, this is point two, you're usually going to beat market rents with Section 8. Not always, but most of the time you can charge a little bit more uh, than market rents for Section 8. So that's a really, really, really good thing. You know, you're if you're beating market rents, that's great. If now the next piece, too, is that the government will guarantee their portion. That's awesome. Right. So you don't have to worry about whether you're ever, ever going to get the check. Right. Because the government is guaranteeing their portion now. Sometimes people will no longer qualify for Section 8. Sometimes, you know, there, there's different pieces there. But here's the cool thing. If the person has been in the Section 8 program for a long time, if they don't pay their rent and you report them, 
they will lose their rights to Section 8 in the future, and they don't want to do that, right? And so you've got to think about motivation, right? If you can live like that DC property in a $5,500 a month uh, property in the middle of a really, really, really good part of DC, you don't want to lose that entitlement. You don't want to lose that, right? So you're going to do what it takes to do well there, right? And so I... <laughs> It reminded me about uh, a buddy of mine who does self-storage units. He said, he was like, listen, people rather lose their house than lose their boat. And I have lots of boats, good old boys in my, uh, my self-storage units, and they don't want to lose their boat. So they never are late on their payments. Well, here's the thing. People may want to lose their house over losing their boat. But if you've got an entitlement where you are basically getting to live for free in one of the best parts of the city or in a really nice place where you're, it's, it's more than you'll ever be able to afford. And you have a history of treating things nicely, right? Because some people self-sabotage, right? So you don't want those people in your world, right? The ones that are going to self-sabotage and rule themselves out. So if they have a long history of being in the program and, and good marks, then they're going to want to stay and you know they're going to try to figure out how to make sure that you're not reporting them to the section 8 case uh handler because they don't want to lose their entitlement they don't want to lose the ability to stay in a nice place for free uh, or free-ish um so that's really 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 important there um you know and just uh as anybody listening right now uh, just so you know, there are some people that are live on Zoom on Facebook. Others are uh, others are going to listen on the pad- podcast. I normally post this in our in our real estate group, um, but I'm posting this on my main page because I do think uh, Section Eight Rentals is something that everybody should look at. Because my guess is everybody that doesn't have a good understanding of what section eight rentals are, are probably like I was and scared of it, nervous of it, and just don't want, didn't want that. And now once you understand it, it's really great. And, and let me also throw this out with the guaranteed income. Here's something that's, that's really cool. So one of the properties that I have with vouchers, um, the uh, tenant lost her job and here's the crazy thing. So half was coming from the, uh, from the, the county Half was coming from the tenant. Well, in our bookkeeping, something got wonky and she stopped paying, right? So this is like a bad case scenario. She stopped paying her half. And, but because we were getting the other half, it kept getting marked as being paid. So bad on us, on our bookkeeping. Well, we just figured out that we're like, why is this account so low? And then we looked and figured out we were, almost $10,000 behind on rent because it's been, it's been a long time. Like it's, it's been ha- like, like five months or six months, something like that. It, it's been a while. And um, it's this property like right here in Herndon, right? Like near me. And uh, the cool thing is she had talked to them and they were supposed to start paying both sides, but we were not brought in the loop of this. And so just called the county and they said, and I was like, dude, we, we just lost that kind of money because of our mistake with bookkeeping. We called the county, we called called through there and they said, oh yeah, we actually were, that's a mistake. Can you just send us this, uh, this like a ledger showing what you missed and we'll just write you a check. And so yesterday they just said the check's in the mail, they're writing the check. So so even in the, a really bad case scenario where I wasn't being diligent, I messed up on, we messed up on our bookkeeping, 
it was it was solved. Now it doesn't always work out like that. Um, one, you definitely should be better at your books than I was there. But sometimes things like that happen. And um, the cool thing is uh, with the Section 8 program, uh, you know, it, the government is paying the bills. So, and they have very deep pockets. So next, uh, there is somebody that I had listened to who he, he has over 30 Section 8 properties. And he was talking about the fact that he has some people that have stayed in his properties over 20 years on like the government has paid his bills over 20 years. They have paid off his uh, they have paid off his properties, which is just unbelievable. Right. The, the properties are paid off by the government. Somebody else has lived there. So he's gotten to the point where. Um, the people that stay for more than a couple of years, he brings them Christmas presents, um, you know, on like a five-year mark, a ten, like on a five-year mark, he, I, I believe that he sent the people on a cruise, right? And cruises are pretty cheap, right? You can send someone on a cruise for like 400 bucks. So like a thousand bucks, you send two people on there. And you think about that after five years, you know, you pay a thousand bucks. Think about how much, depending on like what the, the house is worth, um, you know, like I think about my, my Herndon house, right. After five years, I probably paid off, you know, something like 60 grand and not had to redo it over and over and over again. And so like, it's, it's unbelievable, um, that the government is paying that off. So yeah, a thousand dollars to make them happy and give them something that's a wow benefit. Yeah. I mean, why not like do something for the people that live there so that they, feel like you're taking care of them. Um, here's the other thing. If things go wrong, right? I, I've got I've got this one property where, where uh, some stuff is, it, it just kept breaking. And, you know, I, I was taking my time at the beginning because I was just getting annoyed that a few things kept breaking. But that's part of what happens with properties is, is you'll have a period with nothing and then a period where like a bunch of things break. And I'm like, man, if I were living there, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want somebody taking their time just because they're busy. I, I want it taken care of. And so immediately I'm, I thought to myself, treat people like you'd want to be treated and people are going to want to stay in your property for a long, long, long time. If you, if they have to wait for you, like, even if you're busy, you know, just treat people like you want to be treated, you know, get vendors that are easy to call. You just text the plumber and say, Hey, can you get out there and fix this trick? Text the electrician. Hey, can you get out there and fix it? Or even better, you can get a home warranty. This is what I do on most of my properties, I get a home warranty. Then anytime uh, there's an issue, it's a hundred dollar deductible. You pay the hundred dollar deductible and you just send them out there to, uh, um, to fix it. Right. And that's it. So I love, I call that uh poor man property management, um, which anybody that owns properties is not a poor man. Uh, but it's just like the, the way that I love to, to do properties because it makes it super simple. You don't have to find a plumber. You don't have to find an electrician. You don't have to find an appliance person. You just literally send them out there and it's a hundred dollars to get it fixed. And then it's done. You don't have to think about it. Right. So it's super, super easy. Um, all right. What is my, Oh yeah. The next thing is um, usually there. Um, if, if you find, if you buy in a good place, you'll usually be able to choose between multiple people. So um, a lot of times people 
mistake a building or a house as a section eight property where you can designate it as like that, right? The projects, whatever it is, um, you can designate it as that, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is individual families that have a voucher, right? And so there's a building right now that uh, we're under contract with, we're in our due diligence phase in DC. And um, it's mainly uh, voucher prop uh, tenants. It's, it's 18 units, mainly vouchers. And, but there's a number of uh, studio apartments in there. Well, um, studio apartments don't rent as well for section eight as the others. And so this building, it's a, like it's being rented as a mix, right? It's the, the section eight everywhere else where you're getting above market rents on all the other ones. And then a handful of studio apartments that are being rented to college students to a, like a high-end university right nearby, right? And so it works out really well where you're not tied in where the whole building is, is this or that. You can do, you know, one-offs. And so that's one of the other pieces that just makes it super simple, super easy, and, you know, just a great, great place to, uh, to put your money. So... With that said, let me see if there is um, anything else that I need to check on from my notes here. No, that's that's pretty much it. So this episode is going to be short and sweet, but let me uh, let me just throw this out. Um, if you want to know whether something will be like what the voucher numbers are, or what you should rent it for. You can just look on your county, your city site, like look it up and you can run the numbers. How much would it cost to, uh, you know, to run your, or how much are they paying? And it's usually based on the square footage of the house, but more important than the square footage, the bedrooms, bedrooms make a big difference. So bedrooms and location. So I was just able to raise the uh, rents on my, uh, on one of my houses uh, by $300 a month for this upcoming year, that one that I had the the issue with, right? Um, it went, it's going up $300 a year. Um, and, you know, they just signed off on it. Yep, that's totally fine. And if you have a tenant in there, it's it's harder for the tenant to say yes to that when you raise the, you know, raise the rent by 300. Think about how much that is post-tax money, right? Like that's, you know, that's, that's like getting a after-tax money for, for somebody you know, on a, just a moderate tax scale, that's like getting a five or yeah, basically a $5,000 raise just goes away. Right. And so something like this, it allows you to, to do this. It's the government's money, which it's your money. Don't get me wrong. Like I, it's your money, my money, but if the government's doing it, I would like to be the one to receive that. Um, so uh, I was just asked, and, and again, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, please send me a message if you'd ever like to listen live because uh, I we will answer questions live as well. Um, but I was just asked, how often can you raise the rent and what's the max amount? So <clears throat> you can raise the rent once a year, usually. Um, it's, it's once a year. And what's the max amount you can raise the rent? The max amount typically uh, is you'll look at what the amount the market has has shifted over the last year. And you can go to like, the Redfin data center, you can go to, um, I mean, even Zillow will tell you, you know, some of these things, if you don't want to spend a lot of time digging in Altos research, 
Um, there's a number of these places where you can look and see what have the rent, what's the average rent in the area, or how much percentage-wise have rent gone up. So if it was, you know, 10%, then you can raise your rent 10%. And then you you just submit to the government and say, hey, this is why I'm asking for this, this increase. Now, in some places like DC, they just um, you know, in, in DC, the city, so it, it's place by place, right? That's that was Fairfax County. In DC, they say, okay, we're gonna give this much per bedroom in this location, right? So you plug in the location, you plug in the amount of bedrooms, and then that's it. So it's kind of a weird situation where you could have a condo with, you know, five legal bedrooms and one tiny little kitchen area, and that's that's it. And you'll get the same amount as if you had a single family home with five bedrooms and, you know, 20 acres of land. Well, you don't have 20 acres of land in DC, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's the same... Like, like they don't differentiate on, on that. So that's where it gets a little bit weird, but that's also why um, you need to build things that are, are desirable, right? And so like the the one that my, my buddies built, they're all condos, they're five bedroom condos, but they're two level condos in this building. And so they were able to make them super desirable where people wanted to stay and they're getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money for it. So that's uh, that's the deal on uh, raising rents is it's it's location by location, but in you know in the air like in the cities usually they're a little bit more strict on like this is what we're doing. In other areas, you can just you request you say hey this is what I'm asking for and you request it and usually they'll they'll approve or deny it, um, and that's that's the deal. So. With that said, if uh, if anybody that is live would like to ask any other questions, they can do that. Otherwise, I'll uh, uh, throw my last thought out about uh, why <laughs> this is important. So uh, buying pro rental properties is one of the fastest ways to build wealth by far. There's no, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no other vehicle that I know of to build wealth faster than buying rental properties for this reason. One, you see appreciation, right? Average appreciation is somewhere between four and 8% in real estate every year, but you don't just see appreciation, you see leveraged appreciation, right? So in the stock market, let's say you get 10% appreciation, you put in $10,000, you got, you know, $1,000. That's what you made in a year, right? And real estate, let's say you put in $10,000 and put, 10% down. Now I know the numbers, you have to put more down and all the other stuff, but just bear with me for simple math. But you put in $10,000, right? You bought a $100,000 house because the way that Fannie and Freddie and government backed loans work is it's easier to get loans on real estate, right? And I know you need to put down more money on an investment property. I get it, but just bear with me, right? And so if that goes up, let's say between... Uh, your your hundred thousand dollar house goes up between four and eight percent. Let's just call it six percent in a year, right? You just made on your leveraged appreciation six thousand dollars, right? So that's why real estate beats the stock market because of leveraged appreciation. Now, on top of that, when you own real estate, you get tax benefits, right? I just spoke to somebody who's buying a rental property, and he said, "Oh, wait." I don't get the same tax benefits because I'm on a W-2 income. False. You you put, you create an LLC, which is a limited liability corporation. It's a corporation 
for your property. Now you are a business owner. And as a business owner, you have tax benefits that a W-2 employee does not have, right? You can write off a lot of stuff. And when you go on vacation, if you visit real estate that you could potentially buy, then you get a write off your trips, right? You, well, not the whole thing, but you get a write off travel to and from, you get a write off uh, part of your stay, you get a write off part of your meals and entertainment. And if your family is all part of that business that owns these properties, guess what? You get a write off their transportation. You get a write off. There's a lot of other write offs. Obviously, talk to a tax professional on this, um, but uh, because you know you don't want to get yourself into trouble. But talk to. But understand that this is a corporation, and just like a company trip that goes and checks on a site, that's what you are doing. As long as you really do it, don't cheat. Never, never cheat. Cheating will get you busted. That's bad news. Don't ever cheat. But. Follow the law, follow the letter of the law, and you can go check on potential real estate. Now, next, you get the opportunity to uh, renegotiate your product, right? So I have a guy who is an army guy. He, he's up in Boston. I spoke to him yesterday. And the cool thing is he's been buying these townhouses that when you walk in, you have two options. You can go up or down into the main level. And what he's been doing is walling off the main, walling that off. So there's two entrances, right? And he's putting a kitchenette so that it's legal, right? Not a not a full range where you have to get it permitted, but a kitchenette in the lower unit and then making the upper unit, the upper two levels, two units. And he's beating normal normal rents by over a thousand dollars, right? We're not talking section eight right now. We're just talking about other properties uh, where he's basically making a multi-unit out of out of stuff. You, you can change things around. For section eight, you can add bedrooms, right? There's a lot of stuff that, that you can do. Um, and then finally, you have principal pay down every single month like that, that uh, building in DC. Every month, they're paying off over $4,000 uh, every single month that somebody else is paying off for them so that that property is basically going to be close to paid off by the time their balloon uh, loan is up. It is crazy. And, and the government's paying that off. So that's where we are right now with uh, if you're looking to rent and be a landlord, rent properties, Section 8 guaranteed income is a really good option as long as you're choosing great tenants. Hopefully that's helpful. If I can do anything for anybody, again, on my Instagram handle at Cradrock. Send me a message there. I would absolutely be happy to help, uh, help you get started and help you get an idea on how to build a portfolio. So that is the deal. Section eight rentals, great way to build wealth. Don't be afraid of it, but do it right. Go get it. Boom. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.